We tell stories that from the outside could look like sad stories. But when you learn about the families, when you hear the story, when you hear the purpose and the joy, you realize they are not sad stories at all. They are happy stories. If we can learn what everybody deep down really needs, maybe we can learn to serve and love on each other better. The majority of our guests will be special needs related, but that's not all of our guests. We are gonna have some guests that really don't have any special needs, but have been through something tough. We're hoping that this podcast can bring hope and joy and hopefully make you laugh a little bit. And even though it's not always easy, it's totally worth it. Thanks for joining us for the Totally Worth It podcast. This is episode number five. I'm John Gayhart. I am sitting here with Amy Snackcakes Gayhart. <laughs> In the house. Don't you think we've had four episodes so far? Uh-huh. The Snackcakes nickname has been the most frequently commented about about the podcast. Absolutely. And now my kids call me snack cakes. Yep. And when they're going to bed they say goodnight, my lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not I can't it's not the most beneficial, not the most valuable, not the most memorable, but definitely the most I'm, repeated. I'm completely happy with that. So it got me thinking this this got me thinking. Uh-huh. You're, you gotta be the pro. I am a pro. <laughs> what are the top three snack cakes? Oh, gosh. I would say number one, my number one, would be Swiss cake rolls. That's my number one. No, also, it's my number one. It's also mine. I don't even, I don't think I have a number two. I haven't had a snack cake in so long. I don't even know. I don't know. This, so basically, my top three, which I can think of right now. I don't know if, do you consider powdered donuts a snack cake? <laughs> no, no. Okay, good. That's good. Because I was going to have some trouble. Because that was going to be hard. No. Um, and by the way, that doesn't even rank in the top donuts either. But it comes in the little cellophane package. It's its own, that's okay. its own food group. Okay, okay, okay. That's fine. Okay, so Swiss cake roll, number one. Do you remember double squares? No. So it's basically a Swiss cake roll but it's square. <laughs> okay, sounds so good. it's number two. <laughs> and then a hostess cupcake. Okay, what about a ding-dong? Where's that fall? Love me a ding-dong. <laughs> yes. Hey, <laughs> but the foil, do you remember the foil? Back no. In the, does it still come in foil? No idea. But see, that's, a, that's what I'm saying. Like, ding-dong, hostess cupcake, like, it's this the is same a, thing. This is a fun conversation. We, Me and you have a good friend who is a snack cake connoisseur, and I yes. love to get him talking about it because his eyes light up. He's so passionate. It's one of his favorite things to talk about. He has really um, hot sports opinions about the snowball. And he, but what he can do is he can he can say, well, it's good from Hostess, but it's not good from Nabisco. Yeah, I made that or up. Little, Little Debbie. Debbie. So he's got it all broken down. It's it's really it's really impressive. Okay, so I think that we should put a poll. Like, let's we'll put a poll on Instagram, and we'll put the what we think might be the top three snack cakes, yeah. and we'll have people vote and see what everybody thinks. Or what if we say give John a snack cake that best describes him, and give Amy a snack cake that best describes her? Do I have to eat it? No. Oh, okay. But they would just be like, well, obviously you're going to be the ding dong. <laughs> All right. So today's episode is going to be a lot of fun. Every season, we're going to have a couple of guests that are not special needs 
related. And today's one of those guests, Joey Lankford. He has an amazing story. It's a really fun conversation. I'm just, you, you're going to hear a long introduction to him later. I'm just going to give you two words. And these two words are going to bring a lot of emotions for a lot of people. These emotions are going to be happiness, sadness, memories, and devastation, and embarrassment. Those two words are college roommate. Why would it bring those words? It brings all those. Like devastation being like, oh my gosh, I'd be devastated if he told all my college roommate stories. Oh, I was really confused. Yeah, so that's what I was meaning by that. So college roommate, he and I lived together in a little bitty room. So we've got a lot of good memories. So we hope you'll stick around and you'll love the conversation with Joey. Before Amy and I get into our fun discussions, we're going to give a shout out to one of our podcast partners. Speak Life with Taylor Nichols is a podcast committed to keeping it real and raw. Real people, real stories, and real life. Stories are powerful and have the ability to shift our perspective if we allow them. They can shape us and impact the way we see the world around us, giving us a new and sometimes unique perspective. That perspective can be powerful and the birthplace for change. Join my friend Taylor and her guests as they love big and speak life. Find Speak Life with Taylor Nichols wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Amy G, tell them what segment we're about to get into. See, what had happened was... All right, you go. I want to hear what you got. Okay, guys. I've been a little fired up this week. There's just been some stuff in the news that has got my blood boiling. You don't want to get my blood boiling. You're going to make me lace up my tennis shoes and get traction and get in fighting mode. Her Houston's coming out. Yeah, my Houston's coming out in me. Um, So I read an article. It was, you know, going around social media. But in Tyler, Texas, it's just about, what, two hours east of us. Um, there was a story in the Tyler Morning Telegraph about probably one of my biggest fears as a special needs parent of someone who's nonverbal. The fact that they can't tell us when something bad is happening to them. This story is about two caregivers at a Tyler special needs home, a group home, that were arrested for abusing a teen with autism. He was nonverbal and had other health impairments as well. His dad put video cameras in his room just to see how he was sleeping and what he was doing during the day. Can you imagine what would go through your body when you go back and watch those tapes and you see your son being hit, slapped across the face, hit in the back of the head, hit with shoes in the middle of the night because he had to be woken up to go to the bathroom? Can you imagine? Absolutely my worst fear. Yeah. I, when, I mean, for having someone nonverbal, the absolute worst fear you have no idea i mean we have no idea if things like this have happened to maybe it's true it's true and we always say like she freaks out about certain things you know um it used to be a lot worse than it is now but now it's porta potties and band-aids and goats Mm -hmm. we know that a goat has not attacked her (laughs) you know we know these things but what has she seen that has scared her so bad that these things freak her out. Mm-hmm. But just the idea 
you guys, this is bigger. This is a bigger issue than this one incident. I saw the like the I saw that article on Facebook, yeah. but I didn't click on it. I couldn't like I did not want to see it. Yeah, I, I could not bring myself to do it. Did it give a? Do we have an idea if the dad installed the cameras mm-hmm. and immediately after that he saw this? So like it could have been going on forever. Right. But he just now saw it because yes. he just not put on cameras. Yes. So of course these two guys were arrested. Thank goodness. But here's the deal. Like when we say there are not quality options for adults with autism and other disabilities, we're not just making this up. Like this is real life. And it's not that there are not quality options. Right. There are quality options. There are a lot of options that are not quality. That's right. That's right. And what do you do? What do you do? And it's absolutely a bigger issue than just this. I think it's our, yes, funding, yes, awareness, yes, blah, 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 blah. Here's the problem. This is a heart issue. And when our country finally realizes that these are people, these are people who have purpose and can have joy and can have emotions and can be sad if you hit them across the face, that's when we're going to wake up as a nation. Because right now, these are just people that they're having to take care of. That's how this nation is looking at them. And that's not okay. That's not okay. These are some, is someone's child, it's someone's brother, sister, cousin. It doesn't matter. Like these are people. And it's got to be a heart issue that has to change before anything gets better. And it goes way higher than whoever the person was on the video that was abusing, right? Because oh yeah, it's the hiring of people that maybe aren't qualified. They're not paying people enough. So they're right. not getting the candidates that we would like for them to get. So it goes way above. This person um, should not have been the caretaker. No. But that's the caretaker who was hired because that was who was willing to do the job and there's not a higher pay scale. Whatever the problem is, it's not the problem of this specific caretaker. That caretaker is a problem. Yeah. But it's much bigger than this, way beyond and above that caretaker. It makes me sick to my stomach. It makes, like right now, (laughs) I am ready to fight. It just, I read that this week and I just thought... Jesus come because this is not going to get any better. Yeah. And I mean, we send Mabry to an amazing school district and yeah. we trust these people, but there's times you don't know what's going on right. and there she's on a school bus and she's the last one to get dropped off. There is two, two drivers. There's a driver and a driver's assistant, but still, you know, uh, well, we have you no know idea the, when she gets You home. remember the time um, in summer school mm-hmm. when it took her almost two hours to get home one day. Mm-hmm. Talk about yeah. my heart sunk to my toes. Yeah, because I had no idea what happened. The cameras were out in the bus that day, so we didn't have video evidence of what happened to her, or if anything happened to her. You know, mm-hmm. I took her to the pediatrician just to check because mm-hmm. we don't know. Luckily, there was no signs of sexual abuse or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh. Just for that two hours. And, but we're supposed to go and trust people to care for yeah. our kids 24 hours a day. How? Yeah. How? The biggest fear. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. My, mm, 
Mm-mm. I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. Unless you're still going. Are you still going? I could fight someone right now. I know. So watch That's out. That's why I don't want to cut you off. Don't give me no lip. <laughs> I I need to talk about Lil Wayne. <laughs> Way to lighten the mood. <laughs> Lil Wayne made my week. Made my last two weeks. Okay. Okay, so... I like, Amy and I both like all genres of music. Yes. So it, it's really for con- in context for me. Where am I will determine. So when I'm in, when I'm driving, if I'm listening to music, it's usually country. If Mabry and I are running, we're, use, we're listening to Christian music. When I'm working out and I'm at the gym, I like to listen to rap. Okay. So here's the problem with rap is I pull up a playlist on Apple Music for rap life or whatever whatever the latest playlist is going to be and i start shuffling it well when you look that when you look down you see the e for explicit lyrics by almost every track that's on there right and it doesn't bother me Uh, in fact i mean the reason i like it while i'm working out i'm not listening to the words anyway i just like the beat i like the energy but some a lot of these songs i can't even like i just have to skip through because it's not just a word here and there it's just the whole context Mm -hmm. and so it seems like out of every three songs i'm skipping through two of them like it's that bad lil wayne comes out with a new album called funeral this so i listened to one song and i was like dang this is good and i pull up the whole album first off the album has 24 songs on it not one of them has an e by it Hmm. not one and and so i download the album i go through the entire i've been listening to it every day for like four days at the gym and it's like so Lil Wayne I know that you're listening along with Justin Bieber and I just want to say thank you thank you there's more there's even more because a lot of his tracks on this album have collaboration Uh so it has featuring Uh and he has two of my favorites hold on let me see if I can guess there's no way well you might get one you're not gonna get both yeah I can't Adam Levine oh yeah and that song is we, awesome. We like Adam. And Two Chains. <laughs> I love Two Chains. I love Two Chains. Hey, I don't even know not one of his songs, but that guy's hilarious. You know he's been on a SVU. He was remember when he was on Law and Order SVU? You're like, what who is that? I was like, Two Chains. And you're like, guy. what's his name? I'm like, <laughs> his name is Two Chains. This cracks me up because if any of y'all know John in real life, you would never ever guess. That he's <laughs> listening to Lil Wayne, y'all. I have to tell a quick story because. But I, but I call him Lil. I just he just goes by Lil. He just Lil Lil. Um, I'm more of the rap connoisseur in our relationship, wouldn't you say? Definitely yes. Okay, so John was on um a plane coming back from where? Where were you coming back? From? I was going from Dallas to Corpus Christi. Dallas to Corpus Christi. And with a bunch of friends and, and work buddies. Yeah, and it was a small plane, obviously. Little plane, little bitty plane. A little plane? A little, it was a little plane. A little plane. That's my new rap name, little plane. <laughs> it was so, a like a regional jet. Okay. So John calls me after he lands and he said, You'll never guess who was on my flight. And I said, Who? And he goes, Soldier Boy. And I said, John. How in the world would you have known that that was Soldier Boy? And he said, because he had a big gold necklace on that said Soldier Boy. (laughs) 
you know, I had never heard of Soja Boy until he was on that flight with me. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it cracked me up. But also, okay, so I need to say this too. You mentioned Justin Bieber just a minute ago. Yeah. I think everybody out there, I think I have reached mega influencer status because since I just needed y'all to know that Justin Bieber has shaved his mustache. <laughs> I haven't even seen him since he shaved it. You told you're, me. That. You're welcome, America. <laughs> you're welcome. Everybody's thankful. He, he heard the show. And he must have known. I think so. He needed to know what the ladies wanted. <laughs> no mustache. No mustache. It's gone. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lil Wayne. <laughs> Amy, what's the next segment? Well, isn't that special? All right, you go. What you got? Okay, guys. I told y'all I've been fired up this week. I have been fired up. So, John and I um, have been thinking long-term about Mabry's future and our boy's future. And so we've been doing a little more extensive financial planning, estate planning. Estate sounds so fancy when we live in a house, you know. So I guess you could say financial planning. And so part of that is taking care of Mabry in her adulthood and being able to put money aside in order to do that. So we've been meeting with our financial advisor, who's really just a good friend of ours, uh, financial advisor sounds really rich and hoity-toity too. It's, trust me, it's not. You don't get much money for being a mega influencer like myself. But part of the planning is getting um, extended life, life insurance. So like a bigger insurance policy that could go to Mabry when we pass away. And disability insurance in case one of us were to get you know, really sick or in an accident or something like that, it could continue to provide care for her. So this week, you know, we did all the blood work and the medical stuff to get these two things. Well, come to find out, I was denied for disability insurance. Declined. Declined. Y'all, I haven't been this mad in a while, this fired up, because here's the deal. John and I both, both of our medical tests, you know, they come out and they do your weight and your height and your blood work and all that kind of stuff. All of that was clear. It was called Premier. Premier. That was the title. Premier. They said that they wanted to um, frame your lipid panel. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Whatever that is. Yeah. It's your your cholesterol and all that kind of stuff. Anyway... So come to find out, you know, we've talked about too, about how, you know, special needs parents need to take care of their mental health as well. I am not ashamed in the fact that I see a counselor and I see a psychiatrist. And because I do those two things, I was denied disability insurance. And they said, this isn't a permanent thing. This is a for now, no But we can revisit it in a year or two. No, they said 36 months. That's three years years. from now. But guess what? In three years from now, I'll probably still be going to a counselor and still be seeing a psychiatrist. And this is so that I am taking care of my mental health. And, oh, mm, don't even, I just can't even. Amy G was fired up. I was so mad. And our poor friend... Who was trying to help us. And he was just being the messenger. Absolutely. And, and he takes, they take great care of us. It's a great company. Yes. They're amazing. Absolutely. 
I am just so frustrated because if John and I, and John's deductible for his was through the roof. And I mean, we're typical American parents, you know, and first of all, John's the healthiest person I know on the planet. And if we're having trouble getting this insurance and planning for our child's future, my gosh, how are other people doing it? Mm -hmm. How are y'all doing it? Send us some tips because I am frustrated to no end. I was frustrated. And I think we determined that the only way we could have gotten around it is if we lied. Yes. They said, do you go to a counselor? And you said, yes. Yeah. If you had said no, you would have gotten accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Because my medical and talk screens and everything like that came back totally fine. Yeah. But it's just, it's frustrating. It's such a double standard. You know, people want you to take care of your mental health and there's not a stigma and do this and do that. So of course, this is a bigger problem. Again, 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 it's, it's coming from higher up, but something's got to give because we've got to accept people getting help for mental health as a step in the right direction and not a risk. Mm. Fired up again. I think I could go 10 rounds right now. (laughs) I think I could box right now. Mm. You need me to lighten it again? (laughs) Who are we going to talk about now? <laughs> I don't have anybody. I actually have something for this segment of, of Isn't That Special? And it's not something that happened this week. It's something that happens to me a lot. And it happens to you and it happens to other parents with special needs. But I think it's just something that's worth talking about. And you and I, neither one of us like small talk. Uh-uh. We really, really dislike small talk. We try to avoid it. All of us come across small talk. It happens. Yeah. It come, I, I get involved in small talk a lot just because of what I do. Right. I'm at a lot of networking events and you, you know, you're at somebody next to a meal or you're getting introduced to people and you have to small talk. Actually, nobody likes it. Everybody does it. Nobody likes Mm-mm. it. And so in these conversations, I don't bring up Mabry because... It's usually not, a, I feel like in these situations, they're not asking for this. Yeah. Right. And and I don't want, and when you start to, when you bring up Mabry, the conversation can actually go into a pity conversation about the Gayheart family or something like that. Yeah. But my favorite thing on earth to talk about is Mabry and our family dynamics. I was and about no, to say, I mean, you better add to that right now. I mean, I love having that conversation. Yes. Because it's the same as this podcast. We love talking about it because of our goals and our perspective and just where we are in, the, yes. in that season of it. So I love that conversation, but I avoid it at all cost until I realize or have figured out that the person really cares. Mm-hmm. But there's this teetering point in a small talk conversation that gets really weird and it's a little bit uncomfortable for me and I dread it a little bit because it's, you know, it starts off, Hey, um, where do you live? I live in Prosper. Where do you live? I live in Dallas. Okay, well, that's great. Where do you, do you have uh, do you have kids? Yeah, I've got. They're asking me. Yes, I've got um, two that are in high school, one that's in fourth grade, and that's where I want it to stop. Mm-hmm. And then and then the next question gets worse. It says, "Oh, well, do they do sports or anything like that?" Well, no. The girl, she doesn't do anything. The boy, yes, he does sports. The younger boy, yes, he does some whatever he's doing at the time. Oh, okay. So your girl, so, so she's 17. So she gets, but so she drives the guy, you know, she at least can 
help you with rides. Or where and is she planning on going to college? Where is she going to college? And, and so it every question gets worse. Mm-hmm. But it's still small talk. It doesn't mean that they yet care. Mm-hmm. It just means that we've been standing each other for longer than we wanted to. And we're trying to come up with more conversation. But that's the point where it gets to... Oh, okay. Well, so is she a cheerleader? What's she planning for college? What's her senior year looking like? All of these questions. Now I'm at a stop. Now I'm at a standstill. I have no choice but to say, well, actually she has autism. She has some other special needs. So she's in a self-isolated class. You know, she'll still be there for a few more years, but yeah, she doesn't do any of that. And then the record screeches. It's the dreaded moment. Yeah. But it's also the cool moment because a lot of times the conversation is over because they didn't want any more than small talk and it stops there. But that's also the opportunity where their face changes Mm -hmm. and small talk just got real. And when it got real at that point, it's because they're inviting it in and they want it. And then it turns into my favorite conversation. So it's this very weird balancing act where I'm feeling it coming and I'm like, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. You went there. So I'm (laughs) going there. Well, and then you have to hear um, about their uncle's cousin's dog's owner that has autism. That's right. But that's <laughs> usually in the case where it's still the small talk yes. and it's not the genuine, wow, things just changed. Now we're, now right. we're getting to know each other. Right. You know, you do get a response sometimes where the face changes whenever you make that statement. And, and it's, it's not uncommon to get a response and I actually understand it, but it's fairly common to get a response that's like, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Almost like mm. you just said, you know, somebody died. somebody just passed away. Right. You say, well, no, actually she has autism. Sometimes you will get that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. When I get that, I love to say, don't be sorry. Yeah. It's, this is a happy story. It's this podcast. Uh-huh. It's not a sad story. Don't be sorry. She is perfect. But that's always, that's that small talk conversation that I see and feel coming. That is just like, oh. Yeah. It's dread. You dread it sometimes. Yep. Okay. So we've got our interview with Joey coming up. Can't wait. You are going to love him. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we uh, get to Joey, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our podcast partners. Dreamer Productions is an audio production company that produces and edits podcasts, but specializes in sonic branding. What that means is they create sounds that are unique and one of a kind to a brand, company, or event. Dreamer Productions helps brands explore the sounds that they are already making and strategizes on how to make those sounds more intentionally. When done right, this sonic identity carries over all outlets of the brand, just like a visual identity. It sounds like a lot, but with a sit-down, you'd be surprised how easy and accessible it is to brands both big and small. We all have a voice. Let's use it on purpose. You can find them at dreamerproductions.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com today's guest on the show is somebody very special to us one of the most important people in our life for a lot of reasons his name's joey lankford author speaker father and husband executive director of cultivate farms In Nashville, Tennessee. On a less professional introduction, there's lots of reasons why he's one of the most important people in our lives. But he was my college roommate. 
he introduced Amy and I, or we knew each other already. He didn't introduce. You're but, welcome. You're welcome, Sean. But got us together on our first date, coordinated our first date. The reason that's so important is because if that hadn't happened, if Joey hadn't been in our life, this would not be the Amy and John podcast. This might be the Amy and Steve podcast. <laughs> that Steve's kicking himself right now, isn't he? <laughs> Dang, Steve. Steve, Steve, Steve. <laughs> Who is this Steve? <laughs> so our whole life, we have a lot to owe Joey, but even aside from that, one of the most respected people in our family for both Amy and I, and as just somebody that I've always looked up to and been able to count on, and I know we share a lot of the, the mutual love. So not a lot of people in this world that I care more about and love more dearly than Joey. And Goodness. I, and I think I speak for Amy as well. Yeah, it's not even your birthday. No, but we will receive. <laughs> we will receive that. One of my favorite things is, as a college roommate, I've got all the stories. <laughs> We're not going to share those tonight. All of the stories. I think we even have pictures to document <laughs> that we've been. A couple of pictures. Been, Beauty. Uh, we have been uh, Beauty. That sworn, was pre-redeemed. Sworn to secrecy. Yeah. That was that was a wild ride. That was definitely pre-redeemed. So. so I will say something that maybe, I don't know if I've ever told anybody this besides Amy before. During high school and college is when you and I were both what we like to call living out our testimony. Uh -huh. uh, that we had wild times. Both of us yeah. had wild times. And most of those wild times, I think, were high school and college uh -huh. and got, got out of the way. And a lot of people were alongside us during those wild times. And for you, your wild times in college, a lot of people saw those wild times. <laughs> But what a lot of people did not see is a side that I saw, and I know Amy saw as well, but something that I saw, and I, I promise you it sticks in my memory and I think about it a lot, and people do not know this, is that even though we were in college and having wild times, there were a lot of nights that I would come home from a wild time and you'd be sitting in the dorm room by yourself in the Word, yeah. reading the Bible. And he a lot of been in his underwear. Hundred percent, he was in his underwear. One hundred percent. But that always that is like etched in my mind what that looked like and what that meant, huh. and always had an influence on mm. me. And a lot of people didn't see that yeah. and don't know that. So I love that about you because I've always known that about you, and I've always known that there was a foundation there, and it had a big influence on me. When you think of a college roommate and you think of dorm rooms, a lot of people don't think of dorm rooms like me and you think of a dorm room. <laughs> college rooms that I see today are like apartments yes. and you share a living room and a kitchen and you go your separate way into your own bedroom and bathroom. Our dorm room was maybe a 10 foot by 10 foot square. I had two beds in it that were a foot apart and a sink. That Doubled as a toilet. That yes. doubled as a toilet in the case where... And I can testify. It was, was a beauty. You never saw our dorm room. That's a lie. You we were not allowed in our dorm room. Sundays from uh, noon to noon three. Noon to three. Only we, remember, we pushed with the, the door together open. as yes. one big happy family. Yeah, watch movies. Listen. No, it was good times. Listeners, let me tell you. This room was the nastiest 
that room was I've ever been. Pretty disgusting. Remember, that's where African fruit flies was. Yeah, we had some flies. We had some other unidentified bugs that would get on me in certain areas. Bugs, that's one of the I stories we yeah. can't talk about. <laughs> I don't really know what lived in that room, but it was nasty. Yeah, so this was a dorm room that Joey and I slept a foot apart from each other for a school year. Yeah. And so... You don't, you don't get any closer than that. No. And so all of that brings us to, that was in the year 1997. Seven. Uh, seven and eight. 97-98. So that's how long ago that was. And Joey and I still love each other all these years later. And I adore his family, Courtney and the kids. And we're, Absolutely. All, we're all very, very close. We can't name all 20 of those kids now. <laughs> we don't have time. No. He went to Africa with one. He came back with eight. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's a lot of different stories that we could feature in this podcast about them. Today, what we're going to feature is the story of Joey. In my mind, I'll just call it going from corporate to missionary, which was uh, had a huge impact on my life because Joey and I, as we got out of college, he was in Nashville, I was in Dallas, but both had a big priority on family. We both got married really young, really early, and career. We both advanced in career very early. And we're very career minded and having successful careers, mm-hmm. each individually in business. And Joey ran a very successful medical device company, mm-hmm. COO, yep. r- ran, I mean, did, did yeah, a lot. Ran, yeah, for from a, 80, from probably 2005, five, six, yep. on up to when God called me to missions, I was running that company. So That's right. And, and the phone call that I got is, John, I got some news. Uh, Courtney, and, Courtney and I have made a decision. We're selling out of the business and moving to Africa. Yep. And for me, what what came to mind then is I was so career minded mm-hmm. that I'm thinking, dang, yeah, what? dude, you've worked so hard and you've gotten here so quick. And like, now what, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking? What are you doing? So my opening question to you and take it wherever you want it to go and mm-hmm. just you know, one thing that we need to talk about is I mentioned Joey's an author and he published a book called Fulfilled back in 2013. So I don't want to ruin that book because I want people after this podcast to go buy it and read it. Yeah. So a lot of the story is in that book. But tell us what you want about how did you go from corporate to missions? What did that look like? And what was that faith jump and that faith leap all about? I think the... The biggest part of 2000, end of 2008 and 2009, looking back on it was, was, uh, you know, we had three kids, Briley, Braxton and Baron, and then Courtney had wanted to adopt. And we started that process, not knowing really where that would lead. But I mean, for me, that was really out of, out of what we had built or the rhythms we had built. Cause when you step out in adoption or anything like that, that, you know, that, that, uh, lend yourself to be being opened up to the broken or or the the uh, discarded or whatever then I think you subject yourself to taking on on some things and evaluating some things or looking at it through a different lens and so that's sort of where that started you know I just started thinking and I think I call it a holy discontentment I just became discontented that what I was doing and the way we were living was going to be the cyclic rotation or pattern for 45 50 more years and then I was going to die okay and growing up in faith and going to church with you know 10,000 people and and 60 suburbans you know look out that window look the same and 60 suburbans out the other window look the same and 
that for me began to really unra- and unravel me. You know, yeah, you, you lived with me. So it's like 110 miles an hour wherever I'm going. It's, it's not, and I think that all culminated in, in a story that I tell about being in the barn on my property, you know, it, it built the, the, the life that I had wanted to build and everybody told me to build the beautiful wife, the kids, the, all the way down to the two German shepherds in the yard. You know, it was, it was a wonderful life and it was too, really almost too good. And when I got to digging around in the cyclic patterns of, of, um, how we were spending our money, where we were going, what we were doing to validate who we were in our existence. It was, it was, uh, a bit too much. And when I got to the place where I couldn't do that anymore without realizing, look, I'm doing this. I, I'm, I'm now doing it knowing that there's probably something else that I could be doing or need to be doing with my life that's going to fulfill and touch me at a deeper level. And that's what the barn was all about. It was that quest of like, I'm going to go down here. And the only thing I took crazy enough was the Bible and a can of snuff down to the <laughs> barn. Lit a fire in the fireplace, sit there. I wasn't going down there to get, you know, have this spiritual epiphany or whatever. It's just this yearning for something different. And then and then realizing in the 48 hours that I spent in there that uh, it was really very clear that the road I was on, the path I was taking, was taking me to a place that I wouldn't enjoy being once I got there. What did that look like when you came back up to the house? I told Courtney, you know, that I, because I really didn't know. All I knew that is, uh, when I call it my redeemed moment, you know, that, that time and space where God says, there's, there is a difference. And in order for that to be fulfilled, you have to get off of the throne of your life. And I have to get on the throne of your life. Like this show is all about you right now. And it's got a lot of glamour and glitz and everything looks good. And, but we both know that there's a lot of not just brokenness in what you have going on and things and thoughts that you feel as a human in your flesh, but there's also more that you're passing up, which is like the, the worst part about it, I think, sometimes is that people miss God's best while settling for his good, you know? And it's just, for us, it was just that season of reckoning on, do we want it to be like this? And Courtney was, I'd say, you know, when I told her that I had made a decision in the barn to align my life in a different way, uh, put it under a different lordship, she looked at me and she said, I'm going to be praying for you. I realized she'd been praying for me for a long time, right, right. you know, but this was like, no, something's different in his eyes. He's not the same person. And she grabbed my hand and nothing was really immediately different. I think it was just me knowing, no, I'm, I know it's different. I've heard it said in a sermon that what men need most in their marriage is honor. What women need is security. So how did that, That's a good you know, question. of like, yeah. holy moly, yeah. we're about, because you were making a good living. Right. Y'all didn't want for anything. Right. Me as a, as a wife, I would flip my lid. Right. You know. And I think what I tell people now is like, one of the best pieces of advice is that I've ever gotten come from my dad in that season where he said, if God's leading you to do something, you're not going to have to sell your wife on it. Mm. And I really, cause, and then he followed that up by saying, God knows enough about the importance of that relationship to make sure that he's calling 
and, and the magnitude of the decision. And I look back on his hand on it now, and I'm like, no, that's exactly what he was doing. We didn't want for anything. Mm-hmm. We were happy, but we weren't satisfied. You know, we weren't contented. Um, there was love in our home, but I tell people that, you know, probably the road we were on was going to going to lead to some difficult situations in the future, hmm. just maritally, because you can't run that fast, spending that much, indulging the self to that degree, feeding your own appetites and and not end up at 40, 45 in some kind of train smash where you, you know, relationally have not made enough deposits mm. into that account. And you've just kept drawing on a new car or a new toy or a new house or whatever to satisfy you. And that's, that's, uh, you know, sadly that's too much of what our culture sells us these days is that you're going to validate yourself and your relationships by what you can do materially for one of one another. And what we've learned Courtney and I on the backside of now 10 years, it's hard to believe but it's about 10 years in ministry now is that the material currency is not still, I mean, I'm not making, you know, what I made back then, but, and I'm what, 10 years older, but I'm making a whole lot more relationally with my kids, with my wife, um, than I would have been had I stayed on the corporate road and, and bypassed the calling that, you know, God had for me. So you were in the barn. Yeah. Did you get a clear message? Yeah, it's on those rafters in the barn still. They went back when they, they did a documentary film and they went back in and asked the, the uh, person that had, that had the house then if they could go in the barn and sort of recreate the scene. But basically it was uh, the word surrender. And I wrote it like, not in a Stephen King with blood kind of way, but like <laughs> I wrote it on the barn post because it was significant. It was a word for me. me. You guys know me. There's a lot underneath this. And, and, and surrender is not my deal. I want to control just about everything. It looks like it's out of control from the outside looking in, but that's all part of the, you know, and inwardly, even relationally to release that and surrender that to the sovereignty of God was a big deal. So tell me what it's like from the ego of a father and of a husband who's built a successful career to this point, and you've built this life and this family that you've been striving for. This is something that you've been shooting for. You knew you wanted it. Everybody told you you wanted it, and now you're there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there's a decision that says, you know what, I think I want to sell the big house. I think I want to get out of the business that I've helped build. I want to get rid of the toys. And now we're going to move to south africa and we don't know where we're going to get any money and we don't know what our house is going to look like or what kind of vehicle or how we're going to pay for that john picture you coming home and telling me that's what i'm picturing <laughs> no but i'm i'm there's one thing to picture you <laughs> and what your response is going to be right. and what that security looks like there's another thing to picture my emotions right. and my ego that says i'm going to go from this to possibly that. I don't know what that is, yeah. but I have an idea and I have a picture and it's nothing like this. Like, what does that do to the ego of a guy, of a husband, of a provider? I think in that season, in those moments, and still have reoccurring you know, steps to take that are bigger than me. You had ego 
and and I still have that, you know, at times it rears its ugly head, but that was the last thing on my mind. Public opinion or, you know, it was a, a broken contrite spirit. Like I've done it my way for 32 years and there's nothing really wrong, but there's nothing hugely right about feeling wise like I don't feel like I've just made it everybody else seems to feel better about where I am than I do like there's something wrong when that's the case when our outward appearance is set to serve our uh, ego by by producing something that everybody else is is eating like birthday cake and then to have all that sort of crumble in the road underneath you and realize man I'm c- concerned at that point about safety and security like it it truly was there were nights when i'd lay and watch the fan just go over and over in my house before we moved to africa where i'd be like lord this is this is horrific like i know the sun's going to come up that you're calling us to do this but why i've got little kids i've got a you know a, a beautiful wife i don't i'm going to a place i don't know there's no health insurance it was just a it was just a take your world and smash it there's ups and downs, you know, there's, this is a God in, on the hills and the God in the valleys. It's you're, you're up and down and you're dealing with the same stuff the world does with, but there is a, there is a, 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 a cup of a blanket, you know, like a hand on you. It's okay. And I'm going to be here and my actions, I think, and age, we're obviously 42 now. So it's like, you're y'all are 42. <laughs> That simmered us down a little. I'm not 42 till Saturday. <laughs> Hang on now. I'm 42 as of Thanksgiving Day. So. so you're in Africa for five years. Yeah. You're back now. You've been back for how many years? Uh, it's four now. Been back for four years. What are some things that you could point to that are, are fairly clear in your mind of ways that you father and husband differently than you do now because of Africa? How has it changed the way you do those? Man, that's a, yeah, I think that's a... He's uh, throwing hardballs here. No, this is good, though. It's uh, everything I knew experientially, like from my dad and from what the expectations of our you know, society or whatever were dismantled through Africa. You know, it's like... And, and I think our generation, too, knows a lot more psychologically about the negatives of this approach versus this approach or whatever. And I think my approach now is to make, to be very transparent as a father and a husband. I live who I am. Sometimes that's not very pretty sometimes, but my kids get to see. And then through the spirit, I get to go back and say, this is what that was about, you know, and kids do that as well. If you're vulnerable. I've had my kids, I got, I wrote something one time that is, is led by, it's called led by my kids, which is basically my kids had to lead me a, a lot of places in ministry because they didn't have the fears that I had. So they could take me and walk me into a township or into a place in Africa because I, I had concocted all these wild versions of the end game. Like this is what's going to, and they don't have that. You know, so I had to learn, wait, this is what it feels like to be a child. This is why God used those analogies so much. Mm-hmm. They don't have these fears. They don't have these concerns. They just simply walk, you know. They don't um, have the worldly stereotypes and 
prejudices. Prejudice, yep. They don't have all that. Right. You know, it's a, it's a weird. So I think in a lot of ways, your question, John, is they parent me. You know, I parent them when when I need to. It's not abrogating my responsibility to, but it's or trying to cop out on, because there's a lot of discipline. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of expectations for great. It's the same as y'all, same as everybody's home. You know, you're going to do this. You're going to represent the Lord and our name and this family. This podcast is is really focused on stories where people have gone through something crazy. A faith jump is what we call you. We call you a faith jumper. The jump that you took in faith in 2010 mm-hmm. to move your family. And, and, and we really try to get with these people like yourself when you've come to the other side to share the testimony with us, to encourage others who have something gnawing at them like this, that are maybe needing mm-hmm. to hear something that you're saying to take that jump. Yeah. And so we love watching you on this side. We love watching your family. And I want to make a plug about your book because it's something that's really cool. And it actually turns into another funny Johnny, Joey story. That, that time you're almost Johnny. <laughs> Johnny, Jerry, Joey. Yeah. Man, when did they get here? <laughs> <laughs> another funny Joey story, which is, I don't know what year, I guess it was probably 2012. I remember this phone call like uh, very clearly. I was in San Francisco and your number's ringing in and you rarely called me from Africa, but you made trips over to the States every so often and you would call me then. So you call me, I'm like, dude, are you, I answer, I'm like, dude, are you here? You're like, no, I'm in Africa, but I got big news. I'm publishing a book and Lifeway's going to pick it up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible, dude. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited. He's like, but I, I need a favor. I'm going to email you a copy of this book. I need you to proofread it. Yeah. Okay. Well, like by when I like, I like, I need it this weekend. I need you to tell me, I don't read books like that. Right. You know, I read, it takes me, I'm working on one from six months ago. And so I'm like, okay, I'll try. I'll try to, to read it that fast. And I, I, the minute we hang up, I get the email and it's a word document. <laughs> And I remember responding and I'm like, first off, I didn't know you could email a book in a Word document. That seems weird (laughs) to me. Like, it seems like it needs to be more professional than a Word document. Second of all, because it's a Word document, I can actually put the true stories in here. I can edit it myself. It was an editable Word document. I can slip in the true stories that I know, send it back to you. Classic. And you would never even know. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to read it. No, and I'm like, only Joey would send me the word it's document classic. of the book that needs to go to Lifeway tomorrow. It's unreal. <laughs> I can't even remember that season. But the good news is I got on an airplane and like I hammered through it over the next 24 hours. And it was awesome. An amazing book. It's called Fulfilled. It came out in 2013. And it tells this story, this barn story is amazing. That sticks out to me as the point in the book of not only the barn itself, but kind of the event, the evening leading up to the barn Absolutely. that sends you out there. It's amazing. So I encourage everybody to, to buy it where? Yeah, you can get it online, Amazon. You can get it at uh, bookstores. Yep. You know, it's, yeah, I, I would just say go to Amazon. And there's a rumor that maybe Fulfilled is going to have a movie project. Yep. Yeah, they're working on a, a cinematic film off of that book so it's um they've got some a good team assembled 
we worked out, uh, Courtney and I and the kids worked out our end of that. You know, it's, it's complicated when you get into Lifeway and, and Word and all these other people, you know, that are out there. That, but but it's, uh, it's coming along. We know that God has his hand on that like he does, uh, like he has everything else. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he uses the, the book in that uh, avenue, media outlet, to continue further telling the story of what is simply, I do believe, surrender. It's there's nothing. I'm not a clinician. I'm not a farmer. You know, I, I, there's a lot of things that God is doing through me that I don't specialize in or have credentials in. But I think surrendering is is something He recognizes and values in a deep, deep, deep place. And He can overlook a lot of the junk and stories you you could have put in that book. You know, uh, to find a man whose heart is truly His. And desires to be used by him as much as I can and try to try to be the spirit wherever I go, you know, and try not to overthink it. My Joey Langford story, <laughs> this is just recent, but it was, you think, 2000, probably seven. That's recent. 2007. We were 30. <laughs> No. 28. 28. That was not recent. So, yeah, did true. I say recent? Yes, yeah. you said it was recent. I did, I did not I had more recent. hair. And it was, John definitely had more hair. I did, so, but mine wasn't so great. Back to my story. So 2007, John at that time traveled a lot. Um, so I was home with two kids, one of which, Mabry, our oldest, was having really bad behaviors. And we were just going through figuring out that this is about to be a long haul for us, you know? And so I was home by myself one night cause John was traveling and Joey called out of the blue huh. and I was bawling. I was just sitting in my bed bawling. And I, the thing that you said that has stuck with me is when you can't trace his hand, trace his, his heart. heart. Yeah. And that to me sums up, your move to Africa mm. and your move mm. back, you know, back to the crazy. So that right there got me through some nights. And we're still living that together. Yeah. You and John and me and Courtney, you know, like traceability yeah. is often not there and trust has to be there. You know, it's like the sovereign God didn't promise that he would make it easy for us, but it's, it's worth it. Well, we're going to bring you back to this because we want to do a whole nother episode on Cultivate and everything that you're doing yeah, sure. that because that. it's amazing. Something yeah, that we follow and we love. In the meantime, where can people find you on social media? Twitter, Instagram? Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. It's I think it's at Joey Lankford. Okay. L-A-N-K-F-O-R-D. And so, then they can also follow Cultivate. Yeah, and you can type, Instagram, you can type in uh, Cultivate. That's with a two. C-U-L, the number two, V-A-T-E dot org. And you can get to me there and find our Instagram and uh, Cultivate Farms food stuff and how we're engaging cultures here locally and domestically now and, and food insecurity. And it is pretty cool. And it's pretty cool, cool to see God continue to move and bless our stories. When you hear Joey say that he just is him and there is nobody else but Joey and there is no filter. 
seriously, 20 minutes ago, he just taught Slater a new word. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that, that he wasn't ready to learn. <laughs> That's a beauty thing. <laughs> so you, you got to deal with it when I'm gone. He was talking about biscuits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. We, we won't. Uh... <laughs> So, and so we can't wait to have you back. We love you. We adore your love family. You guys. And thank you for love being what here. Love you through this podcast, too. It's, it's, thank it's you. going to reach a lot of people and has an anointing, so just stay strong. All right. Thank you, buddy. Yep. We hope you enjoyed that conversation with Joey. And come back next week. Episode six is going to be Amy G and I only, a full hour. And we're going to be talking about some highlights from the first five episodes and answering some questions that have been sent our way. Please remember to go subscribe and give us a rating and leave us a review so other people can find this podcast. It might be because of you that somebody finds the podcast and gets encouraged. If you know of anybody that's interested in sponsoring our podcast, please have them email us at johnandamy at totallyworthitpodcast.com. See you next week.